before I started working with Gen Z's or like having them in my orbit, mm-hmm. I'd never been asked if I was queer. I've been asked if I was if I'm queer like <laughs> five times in the last year. Hello, 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 uh, friends, Romans, and countrymen, slash women. I guess Shakespeare wasn't very progressive, but um, we have to be progressive now. It's 2024. Wait, is it 2024? It is. It is, all right. <laughs> I was like, is it 2025? Um, <laughs> welcome to Millennial Yells at Cloud, dedicated to and by history's most maligned generation, millennials. My name is Anton, your fun, exciting host who you love to listen to and you will send gifts to through my Instagram and other things. Um, I will be waiting. Um, And today with me, I'm very excited, thrilled, elated, and positively beside myself with joy. I was wondering where you're going (laughs) to go with that. I was like, I didn't have something queued up, but then I queued it up in my head. Uh, beside myself with the joy to have with me a dear friend, a once upon a time co-worker, mm-hmm. and a secret guest on this podcast because she's technically been on before. You just never heard her because... Because I was too unhinged. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> because we're both too unhinged and too serious. Yeah. But uh, she's back. This time we're going to be even more unhinged sure. and less serious. That's perfect. It's Rebecca... Stephanie Myers. Oh my God, cute! I'm just making up. I'm gonna give everyone a middle name. It's got more of a flair than my actual middle name. So what's your middle name? Paige. Page. Oh, oh, it's giving white girl. Come on, Paige. You knew. That's exactly what I was thinking. You've told me. You've told me this before. I think. Like very waspy. Yeah. Paige. Hi, I'm Paige. I know. Would you still be my friend if my first name was Paige? I don't yeah, know. I would. I feel like a girl named Paige is either really sweet or she's the class bully. That's probably true. Like, there's no in-between. There's no, no, like, middle ground page. No. The cool thing about if my name was Paige is that I wouldn't have a hundred nicknames, which I feel like when you have a three-syllable first name, people mm. just kind of claim it as whatever, which is an adventure in itself, but... How many... What are your nicknames? Rebecca, you have Bex? I have Bex, which is a weird one because it's work exclusive. So, like... Really? Yeah. I was named Bex by where I work, where we used to work, the agency that I work at, um, like... By senior people, they just started calling me Bex in email and like referring mm. to me as Bex. Eventually, they changed my Google like shortcut to Bex. That's true. Your shortcut. I was like, yeah. this is weird because um, is that her full name? Because it's like in the official yeah, company it's in my registry. signature too. And I didn't do any of that. Um, it all just happened over time. And anybody, I've never introduced myself as Bex outside of work. I've never been called that. So now as I have more friends that I met at work that have infiltrated into my real life, my other friends who have never heard that are very thrown by it. Like the fuck? Yeah, especially because the spelling and everything, it's like very intense. Um, but growing up, my nickname was Becca, which is again, pretty white girl energy. Like, did you have Becky? No, that's the only one that I will never claim. (laughs) Never take that one. Never claim that one. I'll be Becca. I'll be Bex. I'll be, you know, but you know what? Bitch, but I won't be (laughs) Becky. (laughs) But you can lean into it. If you go the full Becky with the good hair vibe, right? You could be like, yeah, that's, I have the good hair. You're either Becky. If you're a Becky, you're like, 
this is my identity and I claim it and I rep it and I lean all the way in or you are like never to be referred to that way. And yeah. I took the latter. I took the, the latter never, route. I'm never, yeah, never. I mean, fair. You know what? Yeah. Beyonce kind of really switched it up on the Beckys of the yeah. world. Yeah. And now you're like, oh. That's she dark. Did. They woke up upside down that day. They like, did. you know. <laughs> they opened up. They're like, excuse me? <laughs> Their am, I, am I illegal now? We're rocked. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing happened with Karen. I was just about to say. Same Karen, thing happened with Chad. Chad's. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you know, I can't stand a Chad. I'm sorry. Like, if I meet a Chad, yeah. uh, no offense, Chad, if you're listening. I don't know who you are, but if your name is Chad, you should change your name. Chad's tough. Chad is one where it's like when your parents named you, they had some very specific aspirations in mind for you that don't align with, you know, my values. I'm just going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Your parents did not think of me when they were naming you, and that's they, offensive. Yeah, they knew that you were going to peak in high school. Ooh. I feel like that's a real, you know, Chad moment. Girl, let me tell you something. I was actually, this is a few years ago. I was driving. I wasn't driving. I was in a car and someone else was driving through Aurora. You're like, don't worry. I actually wasn't driving. I'm like, don't worry, guys. I'm not behind the wheel of a car unless it's outside the country. But I was in Aurora and we stopped at a light and there was a sign for an open house. And the realtor's name was Chad something. Chad, it started with an M. But he looked like... I have a photo on my phone and I should show you afterwards. <laughs> like, imagine, literally, just imagine a Chad. Right. That was literally who was on this thing. And his logo was like, do you remember, like, Rockstar Energy with a star? Yes. His logo was like that. It was, like, twisted on the side. And he had, like, um, oh, no. kind of, you know, like, blonde streaks and kind of, like, a spiky haircut. And oh, I was like, no. is, this, is this a joke? Is this a real open house? Or is this like a reality TV totally. thing for a weird Chad? I actually looked him up afterwards uh, last year, I think, because I was curious what, what happened when I saw the photo again. And he's actually living a great life as a realtor. And he cut his hair and he looks normal now. That's amazing. Because when you think about it, probably Chad's like claim to fame backstory is that he once auditioned for LFO from the sounds of it. So What's I feel LFO? Like LFO, the like... Boy oh, band? the beach guys? Yeah. What right song spiky was that? blonde hair, I feel like. Or was that B44? There was a spiky blonde. Are you a millennial or not? I think, but it's very Canadian. Wasn't yes. it the ones who did that well, thing? Well, Chad's in Aurora. He's not trying up <laughs> <up> for NSYNC. <laughs> Wait, what was that song where it was like, there was a sexual innuendo? It was like, I'm so hard to please or something. I don't know. It was oh, like, shit. It was definitely one of them, for sure. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to them. I already just said that all Chad's oh. peaked in high school, so I'm just causing problems. Hey guys, leave it in the comments. I don't know what comments so on the Spotify sorry. comments. I want to know what song this is. We've been talking about this. We haven't even introduced so who sorry. you are. Yeah. I just gave the I give I give the, the the children a hint. I gave them a little taste of who you are. But um They already hate it. They're like they're, they're like girl's gotta go. <laughs> No, they absolutely love it. They're so excited to meet Rebecca Page Stephanie Myers. That is me. That's me now. That's, <laughs> That's me you now. now. That's official. All former names. So, um, Rebecca, you and I work together, obviously. You are um, a thinker. I'm a thinker. Uh, a creator of ideas <laughs> and a pusher of ideas in a way <laughs> oh definitely <laughs> so, i'm out here just pushing my own agenda that's essentially my job that's that's what we want to hear i want everyone to be pushing their own agenda at work i want it to be complete chaos yeah, we too. should have no cohesion <laughs> <laughs> um but what, what describe in like you know in three tweets what you do and not the new tweets that are like ten thousand words like right. the old tweets the 
the OG tweets. The OG tweets. Um, I am a strategist, and that means I spend a lot of my time mining the internet uh, and culture for ideas. And I, my job is to generate insights. My job is to take things and explain them in a simple way that nobody's ever thought of before, but yet still feels incredibly relevant and builds connections. I feel like it makes me sound so obnoxious to generate, to talk about <laughs> my job. I'm like very insightful. I generate insights for a living, but um, I do it with a lot of help and a lot of software. It's very like the way that you feel when you see a meme that connects to you. That's the type of feeling I'm trying to generate on a regular basis for our clients. Um, funny because I hate memes that connect to me personally. Do you feel attacked? I don't feel attacked really. I feel, oh my God, it's so, it's so millennial. Mm -hmm. I feel like our generation of memes was like relatable meme guys yeah and now i feel like the memes are more like unhinged where it's just like something <laughs> random as fuck and you're like that's funny but has nothing to do with me and so i have all these friends i'm sorry guys who still send me so many memes but they're like uh, true true millennial memes where right. it's like this is so you this is so us you guys this is so you yeah. like ugh, yeah i do get up really late in the day or the dryer keeps eating my socks that's the thing actually <laughs> me culture like quote-unquote relatable meme culture is actually so shit now because it's things that are not insightful it's things that are most people and that's not interesting so I agree and um yeah not to bash your friends and what they're doing because we all just want to feel connected and I get that that's true that's true I'm sorry guys keep sending me your sock in the dryer memes but like it's okay we know we're all missing at least one sock it's okay yeah this is gonna be you know the way we make fun of our parents now about totally. like the things that this is gonna be what our kids make fun of us for mm -hmm. and I can already see it being cringe I don't think our parents had the idea of things eventually becoming cringe they're just like this is it mm -hmm. I don't think they thought that deeply and I think we're too self-aware now well it's because because Gen Z's are infiltrating our brains with these like fear mongery concepts like cringe. I was reading a, it was kind of like beauty and culture analysis, but it was like a Gen Z trend predictor and like ask Gen Z's how they actually feel about all these like whatever beauty topics and, mm. and what they like and what they don't like, which is fundamentally like exactly what happened to us as millennials where they're like millennials, this like, mystery generation like how do we sell to millennials what do they like and reality is like we aren't the same person with the same interests so it's kind of ridiculous to group us together gen z obviously same thing but their biggest like what we hate was just cringe don't be cringe was their feedback and, and it's it, like fuck we can't not be cringe and then you just spiral out of control <laughs> and it's such a broad the broad thing that's it so Let's move on to the first little segment that, well, not segment, the question that I have for you, Rebecca, okay. and that is, do you identify as a millennial? I do. I'm like right in the middle of millennial generation, I think. In what ways? How, well, are you, how I, millennial are you? I, ooh, like millennial qualities. Yeah. Like, like what's I the most millennial percent? thing about you that you like, yeah, identify as a millennial? How and why? Ooh. I feel like there's a lot of millennial things about me. I feel like being a woman in your early thirties, you just can't escape it. But I mean, I have a rescue dog. I feel like that's like peak millennial behavior. It's very millennial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, not millennial. I wouldn't say it's like definingly millennial though. That's fair. I, Ooh, 
this is maybe just getting older, but like I refuse to learn new like things a lot. <laughs> I refuse to <laughs> learn. Like when you were talking <laughs> earlier with your parents being like, I feel like that's just like our parents where I'm like, I'm not actually going to learn that app. I'm giving that up three months before I dive into this newfangled technology. I'm not figuring. And this is not me being like, I don't believe in chat GPT. Like obviously there are phenomenons taking mm. over like our world in ways that we must engage and we must, you know, evolve. But like, no, I'm not learning your new project management software. I'm not learning that. Like, I think that that's very millennial. I can't afford anything. I think that's yeah, very yes, millennial. That is very millennial. I can't afford to like be a proper 30 year old. Probably our parents' generation would think I don't own a home. Um, the I'm only like, home I own is my skin. Yeah, that's it. If I was a tortoise, it would be the shell on my back, Aww. which is not really on my back. It is my back. Fun fact for those of you who don't know tortoise anatomy. Wow, I just learned something Did new you right not now, know which that? I hate learning. Anton just told you that. No, <laughs> no you're like, fuck, learning? Uh, <laughs> no, we're already learning stuff. That's crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I, I can't afford shit. I have a rescue dog. I resent Gen Z labeling everything like I don't I just want to wear my blush I don't need it to be like strawberry milkshake girl whatever whatever you know <laughs> I hate that oh my that's so true I find that um right before I came to work with you I was at another agency and we were doing like a Gen Z TikTok thing and I discovered the world of very different like looks like dark academia right um mob wife mob wife is a thing now get over it either you like leopard print and fur or you don't and both are fine and neither of them need to have a name i this is i think gen z is so plugged into the social media thing that everything has to be like codified named identified labeled and then commodified somehow you can't just be a person who likes to read you have to be like a quiet girl or some shit. I don't know what yeah, the fuck they're like called. Yeah, you're like library girl or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know if that's a thing, like, but yeah. Okay, so you, or like you, you clean and you like order in and that's probably a name for something. You're homebody girl. Yeah. Totally. It's crazy. <laughs> it is. And it's like, I, I find it to be such an interesting, like, I don't know what I would call it. This weird quandary or like oxymoron of gen z culture where they don't want to be labeled but they're obsessed with naming everything <laughs> and it is ultimately to codify and then commodify these things which i think is the opposite of what they want but they're doing it all the time before i started working with gen z's or like having them in my orbit mm -hmm. i'd never been asked if i was queer i've been asked if i was if i'm queer like <laughs> five times in the last year but i've never thought thing. about it it's but but is it's a good thing in that you're inviting this dialogue <laughs> but it's also just like I've never had to think about whether or not I'm queer before You're like, in this no, way, but, but I'm maybe, right. This what? is it. It's like, and maybe that's good. Maybe I need to reflect, but I'm like, I mean, I don't like, do we need to have this conversation? We're at a work function. Like it just seems like a lot. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. Maybe that's inappropriate to no, say. That's funny. I, think I think that everyone be... should proudly wear whatever labels they want to for sure. And we should all be welcome to have any type of conversation. But like, isn't that outing me if I am and I haven't said anything about it? I don't it know. Low key kind of is. I, I think that queer line might be the pull quote we get for the, for the <laughs> intro. <laughs> That's that. amazing. So, I'm happy for that um, to be the pull quote. Yeah, it is. It's kind of weird. But as, you were, as we were talking about it and talking about Gen Z, I'm realizing that what we do as millennials 
option when we're like really just bitching about other generations. We never really bitch about like boomers. I mean, we do, uh, but we love to bitch about Gen Z more yeah. than we bitch about boomers. And who fucked us over the most? It's boomers. boomers. I know, but because they've gotten older, they've become like charming to us in a weird way where we're like, Aw. it's the George Bush effect because 100% it's the Bill war Clinton criminal, all over again. And now again. you're like, oh, 100%. What a cute war criminal. Right. That's, and it's problematic. It's <laughs> it not problematic. okay. We do need to turn our gaze to the boomers because Gen Z isn't hurting anybody. They're just trying to name, you know, turn our gaze and set our gaze onto them. Yes. As in send the gaze to attack them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. So I better decide if I'm queer or not so I can be a part of that army, I guess. And uh, now you, you're, no, I'm, I'm identifying as straight now. I don't want to go into war. Fair. Yeah. Let's go to our second question. Okay. Which I don't remember how you answered this last time when you were here in our covert unreleased episode. Mm. Once once I die, maybe we can co- compile all these unreleased episodes, like oh, unreleased shit. tracks. Oh my God. <laughs> the, like, B the B side. The B side. Then the podcast runs for like three more weeks. Then after <laughs> I die and then it's over. It's just our episode. You're like, secretly, I only hated this episode. <laughs> oh, no, no. I have a lot, babe. Um, no offense to everyone who's in the vault. I'm not <gasps> offended and you shouldn't be either. AV, Anton's version from the vault. Oh my God. <laughs> See, Taylor, she infiltrates everything. Her impact. Um, the question I wanted to ask you is, um, what is your like millennial pet peeve or like a pet peeve? I call it millennial pet peeve. Cause like I said, we need to brand everything millennial here. Mm-hmm. What is just your pet peeve? Okay. Biggest pet peeve. Biggest pet peeve. My biggest pet peeve is people not respecting common spaces. I feel like it starts in your office with like bullshit, but it kind of goes everywhere. And I will say this is kind of niche, but I have a specific example. I was at one of the like trendy new age wellness. I wouldn't even go so far as to call it a workout, but like a fitness wellness experience in Toronto. Please tell me what it is. It was Othership. I was about to say, is it other, <laughs> but Othership isn't a workout even. It's That's just what like, I said. It's not it's, a workout. It's, it's a like a, a wellness, wellness experience. I've been to Othership like twice now. Okay. And this yeah. is not shade to Othership, which like we could do in another podcast. We should actually do an episode about like wellness culture. Well, uh, sponsor me Othership. Um, yeah. If you sponsor me, I will not do that episode. <laughs> we won't malign you if you pay us. That's, that's out on that. But um, doing these experiences it's all very communal based, like Mm -hmm. one change room, one sitting area, one whatever. And going into the class, you all sit around, there's like that staggered seating, like almost stadium seating, and they walk you through what the experience is going to be. Sorry, just before you dive into that, I just wanted to give the listeners who are so broke, they can't afford other shit. Which is me. I shouldn't be going. (laughs) Um, uh, vibes because uh, one time I got paid for and the other time I went for myself. It's like fifty five bucks a class. It's expensive as fuck. Yeah. But another ship, it's like a like a meditative um, yes. wellness experience where you go into a sauna. It's hot, cold. Yeah, sauna, you, cold plunge. Yeah, you sauna, cold plunge in the sauna. Like Bex was just describing, there's three levels mm-hmm. where you sit. It's like a nice room and there's a guide to take you through this experience. But people are paying $55 right. to go and sit in a hot room and then go into a cold bath 
which is something you can replicate in your own bathroom for zero dollars. One hundred percent. But carry on. So it's obviously like everybody's sitting in the same space. So you, I come out with my girlfriend who we're doing this class together to all sit in the space, which is also tiered like the sauna, but it's before you go in. Everybody sits and they like tell the, you the, what to the expect. Main area. Which yeah. which other ship is this? Adelaide or Yorkville? The Yorkville one. Oh, I just went to the Yorkville like last week. Okay. So <laughs> it's beautiful. It's new. It, it's it's really nice. It's really nice. But so it's a full class. Great. Whatever. We come out. There's probably like five minutes or so before it's starting and there's no space to sit. And the reason that there's no space to sit is because not to gender it, but there's a bunch of men, men spreading all over the like upper area so that, and there's literally like probably seven or eight women and we're all just standing at the edge and the instructor's like, everybody needs to come in. Like you can't hear if you're not sitting in the thing and we're looking around being like, okay, well then tell these people to close their damn legs so that we have like room to sit. And she eventually has to like center people out to be like, hi, can you like create a bit more space for people? So then that happens, whatever. So then after, to your point about the experience, you do the sauna experience all together. And then there's a series of cold plunge tubs. But if the class is big, you get numbered and like you go in phases. So you're back in this Mm -hmm. same communal area. So me and my girlfriend are sitting, having a tea complimentary because of the cost of the class and oh, fucking better yeah, be. you get a delicious you get like delicious four or five tea. teas girl i'm like i'm gonna <laughs> stock up on tea. tea i'm gonna take up some tea bags yeah. i'm gonna put them put in them my fucking pocket. underwear yeah. in my little swim trunks and put i'm them gonna in go my home towel. whatever <laughs> living my own life i'm on my own journey here today <laughs> and this these two people are talking and there's pillows like throw pillows scattered around for for ambiance and for whatever sitting there we're having our conversation and this guy just picks up a pillow and throws it over his shoulder without looking hits my girlfriend on the back of the head i'm not kidding you and then at the (laughs) end it's a communal change room so like the actual spaces that you change are like full like floor to ceiling um drapes that yeah, you close yeah, yeah, yeah. so that if people are changing because you do obviously like go in a cold plunger in a bathing suit you're like soaking wet at the end you have to change and I'm lined up behind one and there are these two guys that are lined up next to each other for rooms and they're chatting and twice the one guy's like hey hey and is hitting the thing in a way that made me believe that the person that was in there was someone he was there with like mm. in a way where like it's you like would do to your own too girlfriend familiar. like hey you're being do- too yes, familiar. super yeah. familiar and then the woman comes out of the room that he was doing that with and is like, oh my gosh, so sorry. And like scampers away. And I was like, are you she crazy? She was apologizing? Yes. And also you didn't know this person and you're like hitting the, dr- like it was aggressive. So anyways, that experience, general people being unaware of their surroundings. Another great example is I have a car, I park in my parking garage and the person in the parking spot next to me is constantly parked on the line and I have a big cement pole in my parking space and it's a whole rigmarole to get parked because this person can't respect the space that they've been provided to park their own car. I feel like this was a very millennial rant, actually. It, it was. A very, <laughs> I think when you said I went to other ship, then it was it like. It became millennial. It's fuck. DOA. It's right. like already. I'm so millennial. Right. But right. Um, I went to other ship with um, my partner and his brother and his brother's girlfriend. And when we sat down on those little couches, when you're waiting to go into the experience, mm-hmm. I, he's like, Anton, you're manspreading. And me, me, you know what? I'm not yeah. like, I'm not, I don't think of myself as a manspreader, but like, apparently I just sat down and also I was wearing like a speedo. So well, in my mind, it. I'm like, I'm right. not going to be spreading my legs for everyone to see my gooch. So I was, I didn't think I was, but apparently I was. And so I was very appreciative that I was told that I was manspreading because mm-hmm. I needed to create room. But this is the problem with men um, in general. Um, if any of you have listened to my episode, ACMAB, 
all cis men are bad. <laughs> oh my god, amazing. <laughs> then you know you that, that there is a very serious problem with men. And that is so... Uh, Othership feels like a very... I don't know. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It feels very... The energy there, I wouldn't say is like fully feminine, but it's a softer energy. Yeah. It's like a calm, like, you very know. Very self-reflective. Exactly. You would think that people are self-aware. Like, bitch, you're not here. This isn't like F45. Right. This is, and even there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you to act like that. This isn't good life. Yeah, Like, I was you need shocked. to get your shit together and right. not throw shit. I can't believe he threw a pillow oh, at her head. And didn't even notice. Like, he didn't even react. Like, he didn't even turn around to, like, see where the pillow that he had just flung went to. He did not say sorry like there was just like did she say anything no because the other thing like, about it is that it's like a quiet space right so like i would have said bitch yeah i, I mean and then i probably would have been kicked out but then uh, i'm like well he threw a pillow Live at my head i know it it was a shocking experience in general um okay guys we're gonna take a quick break because wow we are over time we need to get into it um and then when we're done our little break we'll be right back with the meat of the episode stick around we'll be right back And we are a back. And today we thought um, we would kind of do a revisiting of the podcast episode that you have not heard. Which was just a lot of complaining. A lot of complaining, but that's what we do here. And, and judgment. A lot of judgment. Judgment and complaining. And what it was about initially was therapy talk and therapy language. Mm. But we're going to pivot a little bit because... We're both huge fans of therapy. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to pass on some of our therapy experiences to you. If you haven't done it or, you know, why would you want to do it? Or, <laughs> you know, are you fucked up? The answer is probably yes. And I know I was just thinking they're going to be listening like this woman's already in therapy <laughs> be like oh, no I know. no they're gonna be like oh no this is not good advice i'm like if this is what therapy looks like yeah. i am not getting it's not therapy for me. it's not no. for me if it's therapy it's not for me um okay so to kick it off bex therapy with others <laughs> I love to kick it off mm -hmm. um we're both in therapy mm -hmm. we're both uh therapy heads as the the term if you will i just made that up it doesn't exist but i think it should be official hashtag therapy heads um how long have you been in therapy i have been in therapy on and off but like seven years since I was like 25. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're like a long-term therapy. Actually, that user. might be a lie. Maybe like mm, 20s, maybe 25, maybe 26. But yeah, like a while. So you started when you were 25, 26. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that is a while. Mm -hmm. And has you had the same therapist the whole time? Yes. Wow. I know. And honestly, there are times where I'm like, maybe I need someone to put, like I sometimes now find in my one-on-one -on -one therapy that my therapist is like, maybe too nice to me do you know mm. like i'm like sometimes i think you're supporting everything i do maybe too much like maybe i need to be told no rebecca that's actually insane or you need to you know adjust or i just think maybe i need to be pushed a bit but i now feel like i've forged this amazing relationship and i'm also not willing to like explain who i am to someone mm -hmm. new it just feels like so much work it's a lot of work you've put in a lot of work it's yeah. It's, it's yeah it's like i don't know it's like 
this is a, it's like building a, a city in Sim City for like three years right, and then having to go. start from scratch. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to do this all over again. It's no. losing a save file. Yes. It's losing a save file. And yes. losing a save file is painful. It makes people cry. Totally. It's made me cry. It would make me cry. And I don't know if I want to choose that journey for myself, but I do think I'm at a pivotal moment where like maybe I need to. And mm. actually my therapist has currently taken... A sabbatical, uh, a like leave of absence. Leave. Yeah, she's on mat leave. So rude. I yeah, right. But so now I'm like, oh, what do I do? But I love her. But I don't know if it's healthy for me to stay because <laughs> I feel like I might be. She might be enabling me a little bit. Um, this is the thing. I started therapy in 2020. 2020 mm-hmm. was it? 2020. Yeah, it was in 2020. And I started therapy because I was in a relationship that made me want to start therapy, basically. Mm-hmm. And this was my first... I'd never had therapy before. And that was my first experience was just like, okay, this person looks like decent. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll do it. And my therapist was very nice. Um, but I think it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. And not exactly, but where you kind of feel is this person doing enough for me? Yeah. And it eventually, I felt like it eventually became me going and ranting and raving and just telling Mm -hmm. a story of what had happened to me that I was disgruntled (laughs) by. And then the therapist being like, oh, that's interesting. Well, what about this? And what about that? And just kind of commenting on it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that feels not productive. Right. Right. Like Anton, you and I do that. We go for walks and do that. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. For free. And I'm like, you're basically like, a friend I pay right except you're just like a little more knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and I appreciated that in the beginning honestly because I thought that's what therapy is I'm like you go in you talk about your shit for a while and then you like every day was like okay what do you want to talk about today and I was like eventually I was like Mm -mm. don't you like should we develop some kind of plan of action to like deal with the with my issues as opposed to me coming in and giving you like a serialized version of my life that you can comment on every week you're like i feel like i'm here to entertain yeah like you want to hear my drama (laughs) it feels like i'm a tv show that you're watching and i'm paying you to do it yeah Yeah, but that's not helpful it was helpful in the beginning because it felt it was nice to talk to someone to share and, and share with someone who is mm-hmm. professional and like knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. So you're not just like, you know, no offense to friends. Like you're a great listener and you give great advice, but some people mm-hmm. just like yeah. listen and it's like, okay, that's the end of the story. Like someone just listened to you and that's nice and therapeutic. But at the same time, I want to be able to receive something from this interaction. Yeah. Behind. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Besides like a weight off my shoulders. So I yeah. get that. It's funny that you say that you went to therapy because of a, like a relationship that you were in because I didn't realize that that's why I first started therapy and about, and I will say, I think I maybe in some ways have outgrown my therapist now, but she is great. There's always lots of structure. She helps me better understand like relationship dynamics and coping tactics and all of those things. And it's created a lot of self-awareness in me that's oops, super valuable, but um I went for a whole variety of reasons. And then about a year in, which I was still in this this previous relationship, I asked her, do people ever come to one? Because this person was also a couples therapist, mm-hmm. but I was like, she was an individual therapist for me. And I had a, you know, an interesting and somewhat toxic relationship that I was managing at the time with a partner who like absolutely would never go to therapy and mm-hmm. probably needed to as well. And... um 
I asked, you know, does anybody ever, do people ever, can you go to therapy on your own to like basically do couples therapy for your partner? Like, can you come and and get the tools to like help your partner and your relationship, but on your own? And she was like, honey, you've, that's what you've been doing for a year. And I was like, oh shit. (laughs) And she read me in that moment. I thought you were going to say she, she was like. Oh, sweetie, that's a, that's a bad sign that that's the kind of question you're asking. Right. Well, like, it was bad. She's like, it's not productive, but I also think it's time for us to address the fact that like, I think that's what you've been trying to do this whole time. And ooh. I was like, also like, maybe like, girl, why didn't you tell me earlier? <laughs> right. You're like, well, look, like how my, long have you my known benefits this? ran out months ago and here I've been like an idiot. Just kidding. Oh, we need it to was talk about the benefits me, afterwards as well. Oh my but, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I would prefer to know these things. Like right. don't sometimes I get it in therapy you have to go on your own journey and the therapist mm-hmm. can't really make decisions for you or right. really tell you exactly what to do. But they can tell you the decisions you're making that you might not be aware exactly. of. Exactly. Totally. Like tell me what I'm doing and so that like I want to let's skip ahead. Right. If I can skip ahead yeah. without losing, you know, any progress or without ruining anything, let me skip ahead. I want to know. Or like, totally. I guess it would kind of fuck up your business model or something. I mean, I feel like it, you can push past and do more because that's the thing. Like I kind of felt like she always knew where my relationship was going to net out and mm. like, maybe she could have helped me save some time. But I also think that it's probably risky to start like pushing your clients too mm. far into huge life decisions. Yeah, that's true. And, um, I watched this uh, show on Apple TV called Shrinking. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've watched like three episodes. Um, but the funny, the it starts with a therapist who just goes off the rails and is just like, you need to do this. Yes. Instead of like guiding people, it's telling them what to do. And that's what I thought therapy would be. Honestly, before I went to right. therapy, I'm like, I'm going to go into therapy. That's what you hope it'll yeah, be. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story and you're going to be like, okay, this is what happened here. This is what you mm-hmm. need to do because that's fucked up. Um, instead, I got a bunch of like, well... You know, I suppose if you feel that way, right. and I'm like, bitch, no, just <laughs> tell, yes. tell me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And my therapist, I feel like eventually, my first therapist, not my second one, my first therapist, I eventually pushed him into the space of kind of being like, that's not a, that's not great. That's like at least commenting he on things. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, never told me what to do uh, ever. Um, and then eventually I was just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're doing this like friend thing where I'm paying you to listen right. to me, but I might be in that zone with my one-on-one therapist. But. That said, my therapist like was really cheap. Oh, well. And I actually, it started at a certain price. And then when I was going through like a crisis in this relationship, um, he knocked the prices down to like, I'm just going to say it, it was 75 bucks a session. Oh shit. So I feel like. Was, you did get what you paid for I, then, Anton. <laughs> Sorry, I, I take it all say, back. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I got like, I got what I paid for because I initially was paying one fifty. Yeah. And then he knocked it down, and it, because I started going like every week, basically, because I was mm-hmm. going through this like, oh, and he knocked it down, and they just never brought it back up, and I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm getting what I'm paying for. Yeah, and, it's possible. Someone who's willing to like cut the rate by fifty percent and then keep it that way even after you've healed, I mean, it's a statement. <laughs> I thought it was anti-capitalist Sorry, no and pro-mental health. Sure, sure. That too. That too. Uh, but the struggle was real. So why did you start therapy? Like what, what was your first, what was the spark? I think I really was navigating a difficult relationship where I felt pretty out of my depth. And I was also just navigating like adult independence. I was probably five or six years into my career. I was 
out living out on my own kind of roommate free. I was dealing with some, um, some family stuff at the time and my partner was dealing with some family stuff and I, I was looking for tools to kind of mm-hmm. better navigate. I had like really bad anxiety all of the time and like a lot of like guilt that I couldn't figure out what it was about, like why I felt guilty or what, where it was coming from. Mm. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I wrapped up a lot of my identity and like accomplishments and like a lot of my value in, in performing in every aspect Mm -hmm. of my life. And I started to recognize that that was maybe not sustainable. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know, being 25 and that's really ballsy at 25 to be, to have the wherewithal to be like, I think I need therapy for this. Well, I literally showed up in my first session and was like, it's just occurred to me that people can like fundamentally disagree with my values and not necessarily be like objectively wrong. Like, I think that's the first thing I said mm. to her. And I was like, does that make me a sociopath? And she laughed and was like, no, you're here. And that means you're not like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> you still want, you know, to figure out these relationships. So yeah, it was, um, and I've always loved it. Like even in times where I'm like, I don't know if she's appeasing me a bit. I've always found it quote unquote therapeutic. I think it always creates space for introspection, which is important. That, yeah, that's true. I feel like no matter what experience you have, ultimately, when you decide to go to therapy, it's kind of like a, like it unlocks that part of your brain mm-hmm. where you become you be you do become more introspective. You do mm-hmm. become like you see things slightly differently. And even if you're not necessarily getting the best experience with the best therapist, which by all means at that point, like you should leave and find a better yes. experience. Yes. But um, the fact that you're there. And your brain just starts to kind of work in a different way when you're like, hey, I think I need to like go into therapy and do mm-hmm. something differently. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was more like it wasn't so much um, kind of I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, they hit like some kind of rock bottom. They're like, fuck, mm-hmm. I need to get in therapy. For me, it was kind of like I need to get my act together yeah. in the sense of like I need to like pull myself together and like be like more grounded as a person in in relation to this other person I'm with, who's Mm -hmm. kind of like being difficult in many ways. Right. (laughs) Right. And, but then I was like, this person is kind of revealing things in me that I don't like. Mm -hmm. This is getting very serious. Oh my God. I don't know why this feels like an Oprah episode. Um, (laughs) Get get real, get get real, get serious. This person is revealing things in me that I don't like. So I want to like deal with that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, uh, when I actually went to my therapist who I had the first time and I thought I was doing that. And then eventually I was like, I don't think we're doing that at all. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, deep fake. I, I know. I'm like, we're just uh, having a fun little conversation. And yeah, we're not kicking this ball any further down. The yeah, field. I did learn a bunch of stuff. I will say that I did learn a bunch of stuff yeah. that I didn't know before. Um, and then. And then you like, we've come to kind of, I feel like you, the way you do therapy isn't the the therapy my brain needs. Yeah. And I think that even that in and of itself, and like, that's what I would say to, to listeners who are either considering it or they've started and they're not getting their full experience out of it. Like, because I, like I said, my one-on-one therapist has been the same and I'm probably in a place where I need to start to move past that and look for something else. But I've fired a couple's therapists before. So what was the reason? Um, oh my God, we can get into it. But first, what I was going to say, just to finish that thought is 
it's okay. Like it's still valuable to go through the experience of finding the right therapist for you mm-hmm. because I think in that experience, so my partner won't mind me saying this, my partner and I are in couples therapy. I think that like, it's such a valuable thing that you don't have, we didn't have like a big, um, like a big incident or a big inciting Mm -hmm. issue that caused it. It was a precursor for me that when we moved in together, I wanted to proactively start couples therapy to maintain good communication because I've been in situations where like that transition was really difficult and then we could have benefited from like therapy and, and someone to support our communication and support us managing conflict. Um, and finding a therapist that didn't work for us, making that decision together and understanding why that person wasn't the best fit also brought us closer together. And I think that even in individual therapy, and I don't know if you would say this, but like identifying like, Oh, actually I don't think we're getting to the heart of the issue here. Or like, I think that the style isn't working. That's still you doing a lot of self-discovery and learning a lot about yourself. And like, so for us, the first couples therapist that we got, she just was like kind of disorganized. She was kind of similar where like (laughs) you never really knew where you were headed. And she also would fixate on things that weren't actually issues for us. So like, for instance, finances, like there was a whole session that she tried to like focus on finances. And like, I'm not saying that we're like financial savants or anything, but like, we were like, we actually don't fight about money. Like this is not an issue for us. Yeah. Like we have, like, we want to talk about conflict resolution. We want to talk about, you know, navigating these other dynamics in our relationship. Why are we talking about this? And like, it almost felt very formulaic. How old was she? Oh God. I don't know. Probably probably like mid forties, which like, I feel like you should know better at that. I feel like well, if yes. you've just come out yes, of like therapist school, yeah. therapy, you incorporated, you're like, okay, um, couples fight about these things. So therefore let's talk about totally. these things that you totally. fight about. Um, which I would be like, okay, I can excuse you. Cause you literally just walked out of school yesterday. Yes. And I'm probably paying $75 a session or whatever, oh. but like, I'm not, no, not to shame. I hope my therapist isn't listening. Not to shame, not to shame. <laughs> and she was great. And like, look, she also, um, specialized in ADHD, which is a dynamic that impacts our relationship. That was part of why we pursued her. But it also became this thing of like, because she specialized in it, she really like showcased and highlighted the benefits of, of ADHD in a way that felt, made it feel like the partner who didn't have ADHD just needed to accommodate Mm. these tendencies and behaviors. And we would leave those conversations with the ADHD partner apologizing for the therapist and being like, I'm really sorry. I don't actually feel that way. Like, I don't want you to think oh my that God. way. So it was great and that it brought my partner and I closer together because we both were on the same page about all of it. And mm-hmm. it made us really go, okay, like actually now that we've gone through these high level exercises and some top line homework and better understanding of attachment style and also the way that this, this, you know, ADHD doesn't, doesn't impact our relationship. Mm-hmm. We can now go forward, find a therapist that works for us and, feel closer together and like it created this space for us to go like, okay, beyond just quote unquote, we want therapy so that we can communicate. Like, what does that mean for us? Like, yeah. what, do, what is it really? What are our tendencies? What are our survival strategies in the relationship when we get into conflict? And like, how can we find somebody who can better help us 
navigate those. Mm-hmm. I I think one one of the things I found interesting and I kind of took a little note um, about it is like going into therapy and having the therapist be like not like kind of hitting <laughs> on the wrong things or not like right. doing or asking you almost like you know to do a part do some of their job for them mm-hmm. like i don't want to go into therapy and do like a make your own pizza situation like 100%. i'm not <laughs> this is not pasta making class, yeah honey. i'm not this, you're not Domino's. i'm not here to make my own pizza yes. i want like you tell me yes. miss mama like what's wrong with yes. me <laughs> yes. Yes. um i don't want like I, to an extent you there is a certain value to being like yeah i uh, i think that let me be introspective for a few minutes and think what i need to work on yeah but at a certain point when you're like i keep guiding this situation situation i keep guiding things like when are you going to tell me like what's wrong and in some ways what like i said it's you know the mind is not like the body where if i go to a doctor with a broken leg they're not gonna make me be like well let's explore and see what's wrong like they will tell you what's wrong with you and what you need to get done and I guess in therapy, it's different because it's like, you know, it's the mind. You have to go around in circles. You have to like eventually you can't just go directly to the issue. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, everything has its limit. 100%. And I think like you coming prepared, quote unquote, for therapy is like you creating the physical space, the mental space to really go there. Therapy's hard. Like you have to it's have hard. really uncomfortable yeah. conversations, whether it's individual therapy, whether it's couples therapy, you have to be willing to kind of go there and unpacking a lot of like what makes you who you are and the parts of you you're not the proudest of is difficult shit so really the person who needs to be prepared to guide that conversation and to like hold that space needs to be the therapist like the therapist needs to know where you're picking up from when you left off they need to set up why they want to pick up there where they want to focus create that and like of course if your therapist at the top is saying hey I think that we should really lean into this piece that we kind of spoke about Mm -hmm. last time I want us to explore this more and understand it better however is there something you really want to tackle like that's fine I'm fine with being given the option but this should not be choose my own adventure every time I come in here. Like I'm already feeling very chaotic. That's why I'm here. I need you to help make sense of this chaos. It can't be me just telling you about the thing that pissed me off this morning because listeners will know after sitting through this stuff for a while, I am not short. Like I am long winded and I am tangential and like I could take you a lot of different places that aren't going to get me anywhere after I hang up that phone. I know that about myself too. I am the exact same way. And so every time Mm. I start saying something, like I remember with my therapist, like we'd start something and he'd ask me a question and I start answering it. And as I'm answering it, I go off on a fucking tangent. Yeah. And you feel like coming too. Yeah. And then at the end I'm like, okay, I know I went on a tangent, but to answer your question, this is the answer. Yeah. I'm fine is, and, is the answer to that question. And I would always apologize for it. I always felt so bad. I'm right. like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I feel like I keep sidetracking us because you only right. have like an hour, right? Totally. And you don't have, uh, you know, when your mind starts just running, I want the therapist to be prepared to deal with that. Like, yep. hey, Anton, I know that you can run your mouth for like five minutes if I don't interrupt mm-hmm. you. So like, let me actually work with that instead of just every time I come in, I'm like, I feel like I'm doing 50% no sorry 50 I don't know why I went 50 I feel like I'm doing 35 uh, minutes of talking and you're doing like 10 minutes and then there's like the introductions and the goodbyes at the beginning and end right and then I I what did I what did I get out of yeah this? you're like this feels like an inefficient client call that's the thing and like an our, inefficient <laughs> our call. and our therapist this therapy is, session could have been an email yeah this therapy <laughs> session could have been a fucking brain dump a reddit article but I feel like um 
that's something I really appreciate about our couples therapist is that if either of us start to get tangential, she'll pause us and be like, I'm actually going to hold you there. Stop, stop going in that direction. Let's come back. Like, and it is so valuable. It's important. They should be guiding you. You're not there for a self-guided meditation. Like you could do that with headspace. On yeah. Phone, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think I'm also in um, a couple's therapy and I feel like there's the dynamic in couples therapy actually, which I thought was going to be more like where one person talks and then the other person goes, no, but la la la. And, yeah. and there's like it's a like back what and you forth. see on TV. Yeah, like yeah. What you see on TV. And I'm finding just naturally I settle into a, a dynamic where even if something is being said that I'm like, oh, I don't really agree with that. Or I don't think that's true or like whatever it may be. Or I want to say something right now. I just don't talk until mm-hmm. I'm literally asked to talk. Mm-hmm. I literally just, I just zip. Mm-hmm. I sit there, I listen, and then when someone is like, okay, Anton, what do you think? And I'm like, okay, now I can speak. And I found that to be really, like, unexpectedly nice. To, uh, 100%. Like, the dynamic is so everyone gets to speak. And on yes. TV, people are always screaming at each other. And the therapist is like, now let her finish, let her finish. Mm-hmm. I think that you just hit on something that's so valuable in couples therapy that I haven't thought about in that way before. Um which is if you find that struggle for airtime and conflict with your partner, couples therapy is so good because you know you're going to have the opportunity to speak on the issue. Mm-hmm. Like if you struggle... Speak on it. Speak on it. <laughs> I, I go hot. Like I go zero to 100 quickly if I get pushed to conflict. Like I'm not somebody who's argumentative all the time, but I'm like pretty strong in my convictions. And my partner will shut down. Like... If we're in conflict, mm-hmm. the two of us, whatever. And then I chase because I, I want a reaction. I want them. I want to feel like they're as invested as me. And I'm like freaking out and ranting and raving and, and getting really, you know, hot and heated about it. And he will just kind of like be really quiet and like, you know, whatever processes very internally. And I find that in therapy, it's similar where I speak a lot less. I was very concerned knowing me that I was going to dominate the conversations in therapy. I was very concerned that like we weren't going to make progress. And I was cognizant of that coming into it because I was worried of like speaking over him or not giving Mm -hmm. him the opportunity. And to your point, like the dynamic has never been that way. It's never really had to be righted. Like sometimes we'll start to like trail into a side thing both of us and like the therapist will bring us back to center to focus on the issue that we're we're talking about but there is always that even playing field and it feels really good to know like both of us will have a chance to speak on this if Ian's saying something to your point that mm-hmm. I don't agree with normally he'd get like a word and a half in and I'd be like no 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 that's not <laughs> the way it is yeah bitch yeah where and it's so bad and honestly I think it's helped me now outside of therapy to recognize that and to avoid doing that because mm-hmm what you have to remember is like when you're arguing, you're not fighting with your partner as much as you're like fighting for the relationship. Like that's a reframing. That's such a therapy. I know. But once you start to realize that and you see it at work in therapy, Mm. it makes you feel less desperate to get your point out Mm. because you feel less desperate to be right. It's more about like coming to a resolution rather than like being correct. Yeah. Like Esther Perel says, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? A hundred percent. So, so tough. Um, Esther, we want both Esther. I know. I wish Esther would come on my podcast. Um, But I was going to say that our couple's therapist actually dragged me the other day. Oh my God. Because I don't remember what I, what she asked. This was actually a 
few sessions ago, so it wasn't really the other day, but she asked me something and I said something in response and she's like, Anton, you have a tendency to like mm. say a lot, but like not really say anything. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like, ex- Anything that starts with you have a tendency, my back's up. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me what what what? and then in the moment i also was like you're like oh my connection's breaking up i was like oh my my god yeah the zoom call just drops i can't hear a thing you're saying um but it was like i it it was true which is literally you know what i'm gonna go and be a bit therapeutic in my for myself for a second walk with me listeners walk with Mm me is sometimes when i listen back to even these episodes i'm like you're just talking and what are you trying to say Anton like what is the point of what you're trying to say and I've found actually that doing this podcast has made me really reevaluate how I talk and the things I say because when I listen back to myself I usually think I sound like a complete fucking idiot yeah I really fear that that's how I'm gonna feel after this (laughs) (laughs) you you will not you're so eloquent and the plus side is you I you're gonna see yourself as you see yourself but However you think you're seeing yourself, other people have already seen you in and right. in their own way, you know? Sure. It's like when you've been, uh, it's when you see yourself not reflected in a mirror. Yes. And you're like, fuck, I'm hideous. And it's like, but everyone has see, everyone's been you. seeing me this way right. my whole life. So like. The moral of the story is it's too late. It's too late. It's yeah, too late exactly. to be self-conscious. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if they think you're stupid, it's too late. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, listening to the back to this, I, I'm always thinking about that. Where I'm like, Anton, you have a tendency to just like talk and run your mouth. And what are you trying to say? Are you saying anything? Are you like stringing your thoughts together in a coherent manner? And so the therapist said that. I was like, oh, girl. Oh, brother. I'm sorry. But she said it. I think she said it in a way that was kind of constructive. I don't remember it being. It just that particular line stood out right. to me because it was like it was like someone slapped me across. The yeah, face. I feel like it stood out because I felt it. Hit <laughs> because my I felt gut it in a way. Um, I wanted us to quickly before we wrap up, um, do like something we learned in therapy each mm-hmm. um, for the people, maybe an exercise or like a really fun tidbit of information. So if whoever is listening who has not done therapy can get a little taste of what you get out of it. Yeah, totally. Or if you're Poe, like us, and uh, oh, we haven't even talked about benefits. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> or if we you're, will. If you're Poe, like us, and uh, you are about to like spend your life savings on therapy, you need to know it's worth it. So this is, we're just going to have a little like preview. Yeah. A little sample. Totally. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um. Okay, I'll go first. I never go first. And it's my show, yeah. damn it. Um, okay, Teach one us. thing I learned in, and this is like, um, I guess it's a conflict thing. Mm-hmm. Not really a conflict thing, but a communication thing mm-hmm. in couples therapy is the... ABBA method, which I know so Ooh. many people of my friends who know, I don't think I know who, who have ABBA heard method. me talk about it are going to laugh. Okay. But it's um, not ABBA like the Swedish uh, group that we know and love. Okay. But ABBA in that it's, I know, <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> I won't be asking my therapist about this now. You just sing Mamma be... Mia at each other for a minute when you're fighting and then it diffuses the situation and you're fine. Cute. Um, no, it's basically ABBA. Okay. And the idea is that one person is A, one person is B. Mm-hmm. And you go like A, B, B, A. So, for example, if you and I have like uh, some kind of thing that we're, that happened this week that we're not feeling great about, you would essentially, you kind of d- do a description of the situation um, 
what actually happened, what you think that meant, how it made you feel, what you needed in that situation, mm. and how you can let that person know how to help you to get to give you what you need. So it's like um the way it was visualized to me was it's like going through your body. So like you see a scene playing out above your head, like in space. Okay. And you literally describe the facts of the scene. This is what happened. Right. You knocked over a cup and it spilled on the carpet. What I thought, then you go down into your head. What I thought was you don't care uh, enough to like make sure you put away the cup. So you're like knocking them all over the place. What I sounds abusive. <laughs> what I felt was frustrated and you know um, I don't know disappointed. I hope I'm doing this right because mm-hmm. I, I I keep trying to like figure I'm it out and I think I am. Me. And then what I needed in that situation was for you to put like I don't know put away the cup or like la la la. And what can I do to help make that happen? And maybe I can like vocalize that there's too many cups lying around, or maybe I can make a little reminder for you to put away cups. I don't know some shit like that. And then that's the first part. That's the A. That's A. That's A says that. Then B repeats that to A to make sure that we're on the same page. Like, I heard you say this. You felt this way. This is what you need. This is what all that stuff. And then you, the other person, A, has to confirm it. Right. And then that's A and B. So A and B is done. Then now B goes, okay, from my perspective, perspective, this is the fact of what happened. Then this is everything. And then you go run through it again. And then the person repeats what they heard. And the first time I did this exercise, I was like, actually, we picked a situation in couples therapy that was very much like, uh, it wasn't like a big issue. It was just like, we needed a situation. That was the first thing that came to mind. And when we both went through it, I was like, oh my God, what you thought was happening and what I thought was happening are two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Like there were so many assumptions made. There was so Mm -hmm. much. And you kind of, like it makes you realize that people just have stories. It's like the story I the, tell myself. The Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah the Brene Brown. The story me, yeah. I tell myself. Um, but it was so helpful. So helpful. Yeah. And then you do it like a couple of times, like to actually like run through and like it's, it's like a clearing of a clog. Totally. In the the pipe of your relationship. Love that. <laughs> Love relationships being compared to plumbing. Clogged. It's a me, pipe. Mario. I know. It's perfect. <laughs> he cleaned the pipe. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's an easy visualization. And it is so true. Like, I think that that's like the one, like what you learn more in couples therapy, I think above everything, no matter what tools you use or what like tactics or, or um, exercises you're provided is that experience is so subjective. Yeah. And before I get into my little, like what I learned and what I've, found really valuable in terms of like an exercise. The one thing that drove me nuts at the beginning of couples therapy that I'm like beginning to see the value in is that she really like made us go through like our childhood experiences and growing up and different conflicts we had and different dynamics. And I have led like a very charmed life. I have two amazing parents. They were high school sweethearts. They're still happily married. I'm incredibly close to both of them. They're super supportive. Mm -hmm. My brother's my best friend. Like, so on the surface, all of that, I was like, I'm so sorry to tell you, but like the reason I am the way I am has nothing to do with the way I was brought up. Like everybody was great. So everything that's fucked up about me is my own shit in adulthood. Like I really believed that. And I was like, oh my God, here we go again. No, it's not. And at the beginning I would say something and she'd be like, well, can you think about like 
experiences that you've shared growing up that might make you predisposed to X, Y, and Z feeling. And I was always like, it's not about that. Like I had a great upbringing. Like I don't want, I'm not here to talk about little Rebecca or like my child. It just felt cheesy. But Mm. as we move through it, I've come to realize that yes, like experience is so subjective there's so many nuanced things that happen to us that certainly like, I'm not talking about big tier, little T traumas or getting into any of that. Cause we parked the therapy <laughs> language conversation, but I do think that it is also formative and it brings uh, like, it brings the perspective that we think is objective into scenarios that then when you play them back with your partner in that way, it's so crazy how far apart you can be in terms of your interpretation. Yeah. That, other thing that you just brought up about couples therapy though that makes me deeply uncomfortable that I'm working on is repeating back to your partner and making eye contact when you do it. I don't know if your therapist makes you do that, but like we've never called it that, but we do exercises where it's like, okay, Rebecca shared her experience. Ian, can you repeat that back to her and look at each other? Uh-huh. And then both of us are always like, God damn it. But like <laughs> it is valuable, but we're like, I can't, I can't look at you and do it. But repeating shit there. back to people like it seems so fundamentally simple. Like when you learn right. it, they'll be like, uh, uh, duh. Yeah. Why won't, but no one does it. No. And then that's why you like, you hear something and you're like, I, I, this is what I heard. And you just run with it. Yeah. And meanwhile, you're like, that's not what the person was saying. Totally. And honestly, I think we should bring that skill to the boardroom from the bedroom <laughs> to the boardroom. How couples therapy is saving offices across it's America. getting work made. <laughs> I, I love it. It's true though. There's so much disconnect that you don't see. And then, sorry, I brought it up on my phone, everyone. So I'm going to not actually read this word for word. But something that we just worked through that I found so valuable is understanding in conflict, like what you're fighting for versus what your partner's fighting for and like the underlying Mm. feeling or result that we're looking for, how much it can inform the way you approach. And it's called the hidden dimensions of conflict. But there's three. The first like dimension or motivation is power and control. So fights about power and control can sound like um, you undermine me because I don't make as much money as you do. I feel like I have to check with you. We only have sex when you want to. Like this idea of feeling like you're always fighting to have more control or Mm -hmm. to have more autonomy in the relationship. The next one is care and closeness. So like, why can't you support me when I'm anxious rather than making me feel worse? Why am I always the one to text or call you? I feel like I'm always the one reaching out and you're so distant. Those are like those like connection and closeness ones. And then the last is respect and recognition, which I feel like I'm like, who's not fighting for this? I feel like we're all fighting for this, but (laughs) You know, you go out with your friends without asking what I'm doing. You never acknowledge my professional accomplishments. You don't realize how much I do around the house, like those types of things. Mm. And so it is interesting when like whatever the conflict is, if you pair it back to like, what is, what are you looking for? Is it connection and closeness? Is it recognition? Is it whatever? And what's your partner looking for? And I think in seasons of your relationship that can, like it can obviously change argument to argument, but like whatever's going on on a macro level in your relationship at that time, I think can really influence what you're ultimately fighting for and what every argument kind of comes back to. Mm -hmm. And seeing those like, not to fucking sound like a marketer, but seeing Mm. those macro trends and how they (laughs) impact the like individual conversations you're having in your relationship, I think can like be very valuable. It's helped us for sure. And it's like a lot of these things, like once you learn them, it feels almost 
like you should have known them this whole time. Totally. It's when you learned about I statements, for example, which is like 100%. basic ass therapy. Like right. never say uh, you did this. Yeah. It's like if you have I, a TikTok account, you've heard of I you've statements. You've heard of I statements. Now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when you actually learn about I statements, you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. And why wouldn't I do that? And mm-hmm. why, everything kind of seems obvious in hindsight. But so many people just don't have this, the tools and like the, mm-hmm. you know, the knowledge. It's also so easy to understand and take in and believe that you will always do these things when you are not in conflict actively. Yeah, it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember and it's hard to want to like respect those boundaries and like because you're kind of de-escalating in the moment to take a step back and think about these tactics and like come back together. And I feel like for me, that's the hard, like that's the hard part. That's the part that is like, I don't want to talk to you about how I'm feeling when I'm pissed. I want to tell you about what you're doing. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah. And it's, it's really, it's really something where you, you have to always be watching yourself and, mm-hmm. and that's the work part of therapy. It's that like, you need work. to, you need to practice. Like someone can tell you, you can be like, yeah, that's perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. I agree with you. I should do that. Mm-hmm. But actually doing it mm-hmm. is like a whole different story. And that's changing wiring that's been built up since you were a kid, yep. which, sorry, I think I remembered what I wanted to say. It was about the childhood thing mm-hmm. was that everything everything is like somehow tied to your childhood experiences which is um i remember my initial therapist which is why i also felt like my therapist was being weird was we never explored this childhood thing and Mm -hmm. i'm and i understand now that there's different ways to go at it some therapists like will not go into childhood um but I found that when I went into childhood, it just gave me so much more understanding of it. Yeah. And not to say that it fixes problems. It's not like, oh, yeah, that's why I, um, I don't know. That's but it why helps I always... you identify patterns. Exactly. It's totally. like, okay, I understand it. And there's something about like just understanding something that is transformative. 100% because it makes it so much less scary when you can like trace why it's happening mm-hmm. and like understanding that situations don't have to be the same to feel the same. And when you can identify that you're not having the same experience but you're having a similar feeling and pulling them apart i feel like gives you a lot more like authority to navigate preaching to the choir amen amen well um we have uh, really run therapy through we have we have i hope y'all have learned something and i hope that you all go to therapy because yeah. <laughs> you need it trust me we all need it we all need but it. if your therapist is charging you 75 dollars, you could do better <laughs> but thank you my therapist for charging me 75 dollars when i could afford nothing 100 100 and all but, and and huge shout out to the therapist out here <laughs> making it work for people on different yeah. budgets because we didn't touch on this but therapy is not affordable enough it It is is not nearly accessible enough mental health resources are not accessible enough so i shouldn't should not talk shit get the therapy that you can and do with it what you will i'm low-key embarrassed that we haven't even talked about that where we haven't talked about the price of therapy the price of therapy is crazy we ain't got time but i will say therapy is expensive i'm sorry that we haven't acknowledged that like we're speaking as people who have benefits and can afford therapy super privileged um super privileged but um you know what it, we, there has to be there have to be like mm-hmm. everyone needs therapy we mm-hmm. have to do some kind of taking care of people's mental health one thing that enrages me so much is this conversation not really related to therapy but about mental health 
especially in the United States with gun violence in particular, right. when something happens and everyone's like, well, it's not the gun, it's the mental health. We need to invest in mental health. And when it's time to invest in mental health, no one does it. Yeah, no. It's like, okay. Uh, Everybody's t- gotten off their soapboxes. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. do you actually. It's all about mental health when we want to keep guns in our safes in our homes. And then as soon as it becomes about figuring out what to do next, all the ideators are not there to execute. At its core, if you listen to my last episode of Black History Month, at its core, it's that thing, that question where it was about like, uh, do why do black people get a month and Asian people don't even get a day? Mm. And it's like, do you actually care about the thing that you claim to care about or are you just using it as right. uh, a tool to right. like fight against this thing? And that's what I feel like with mental health and gun violence in the United yeah. States. It goes back to your Zoolander reference. What's this shiny thing over here? Yeah. Focus on this thing, not the stuff that we want to keep that's completely destroying lives i think what you really have to remember at the end of the day is that you just have to focus and kill the prime minister of malaysia <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the moral of the story here. focus on your mission yeah, okay focus on your mission <laughs> don't don't ask us and don't at us either <laughs> okay we're gonna take one more quick break then we'll come back for the last little bit of the show and we're gonna let bex a go 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 And we are back again from our break. Um, it was very refreshing. Mm-hmm. We both um, refreshed ourselves. <laughs> but that's what we did. That's, that's what we did. I feel I feel new. Um, Bex, mm-hmm. we've come to the end of the show. And before we leave, we have a little thing we like to call the Nostalgia Corner. Ooh. I think that's the official name now. Every episode, I'm like, is that the name? I don't know. I think we'll know. This is the last time I will say this. This is the official name. It's called the Nostalgia Corner. Okay. And what we ask in the Nostalgia Corner is, what do you wish would make a comeback from when we were, you know, young, dumb, and full of cum? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, let's roll with it. I have a problematic thing that still exists, but like isn't allowed to. And I think our our friend Kim K with her most recent publicity moment reminded us of this. I miss being able to go to tanning beds without being in fear of my life. I miss tanning beds. <laughs> I, w- I miss tanning bed ignorance, willful tanning bed ignorance. We just had like right now, today, it's early February. We've had... Thirty hours of sun this winter. I have winter. loved it. Oh my god! Well, that says. I don't so know. Much. There's something sick about me. Like yeah, I used to be. Is. I used to be a summer summer don't boy. Don't quit therapy anytime soon. Yeah, I used to be a summer boy, and now I'm like, I don't want to see the sun. Oh my god, no! I need that vitamin D. I've been craving a tanning bed so badly, and I wish that I knew less about how bad they are. For Does me. vitamin? D- Sorry, do tanning beds give you vitamin D? They claim to on all their advertisements, and I'm sure they can't even put out anymore. I don't know if it's real or not. I don't know if it's a placebo effect, but like. You feel so much better after going in a tanning bed. I've never been inside a tanning oh. bed. I'm claustro one, I'm claustrophobic. Right. I don't want to be in a tiny enclosed coffin like space that right. gets hot. And right. two You shouldn't. The thing you're referring to is final destination. Where those two bitches died in the tanning bed. Oh my god, no. Kim Kardashian just recently was like, I'm did that like TikTok thing of like, I'm Kim Kardashian. Of course I have like a three D print of my brain and my body or Ugh. my airplane or whatever. But one of the things she said was like, I'm Kim Kardashian, of course I have a tanning bed in my office. And then everybody went off being like, You cannot 
support tanning beds. Big well, tanning bed needs to go. Big, okay, what what is the I don't I don't know this. My my conversation about tanning bed centers around final, final destination. destination. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that actually won't happen to you in a tanning bed, but they do give you melanoma. Like they're so bad for Don't skin you get cancer. hot in a tanning bed? You get warm, but it's like nice. But anyways, I'm not advocating for them. What I'm saying is that we can't anymore, but I wish I'm nostalgic for the time of tanning bed culture where I would rip out I would get like four or five student handbooks when I went to university because they would have coupons in them and like rip out all the tanning coupons and get like unlimited monthly tanning for an ungodly rate and I used to go like you couldn't go you had to wait 24 hours between tanning sessions and like more than once I'm ashamed to say I arrived in less than 24 hours and was sent away I used to be addicted that is such a page thing to do I know (laughs) that was Becca that was Becca page all over Hi, I'm Becca Page, and I'm here for my tan and bad I know, experience. So dark, I no, looked like a copper South. penny. I was like, were you really looking. like? Were you actually like super tan? Oh yeah, I'll show you photos. <laughs> it doesn't look like me, and my hair was black. Like I dyed my hair black. Oh no, you were giving guidettes. Yes, I was giving like Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore realness, honey. For yeah, sure. did, you, did you have a little, little snooky poof? No, I didn't. But like, I could have. Thank God I didn't. That's like my one saving grace <laughs> honestly guys white people there's nothing wrong with being beautiful and white like mm-hmm. well, i've seen like uh, like people i understand a nice tan first of all i don't understand the appeal of a tan to begin with because it's mm-hmm. like okay you're a little bit darker because you got exposure to cancer causing uv rays i know i know cool I know. but don't shame me and no, no, no. i'm saying but I i'm know just saying bad. i'm just saying you're beautiful as you are thank you i appreciate um you you know what white people take advantage of being really really white <laughs> it's like you're 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 right. you have more power right your whiteness. yeah if i could be white for a day i'd be the palest kind of white i mean it's good perspective it's an important thing to remember i'd be like a ginger no offense gingers but like i'd be a scottish right. ginger a scottish ginger yeah Scottish is one of my favorite accents. I'll say that. Mm. Okay, sorry. I don't know. Like I it's it's, it. it's it's. I mean, I Irish I <laughs> Irish over Scot. No offense, Scotland, but mm. both of you have suffered under the boot of the of England for a very long time. So you know, maybe you can commiserate there. Um, but back to tanning beds. <laughs> Anyways, they're canceled, but I wish they weren't. But you wish tanning beds could come back. Yeah. And not give you melanoma. Right. Or even if I just like didn't know about the risk. Sometimes ignorance is bliss, you know? Why don't you just take a vitamin D pill? It's not the same as the experience of a tanning bed. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to like promote going to tanning beds. And I feel (laughs) like... I think you already have. I know. I know. (laughs) It's bad. Don't do it. I'm nostalgic for that. That was amazing, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Great answer. I think tanning beds are going up there with some of the wilder things we've heard on the show. <laughs> I bet. Tanning beds and me getting pissed off about people asking me if I'm queer. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that was I iconic. still don't know the answer. So. That was iconic. You could be queer. No one's going to question you. Thanks. Well, thank you for joining us today, Rebecca. Is there anywhere you want to be found online? Do you want to plug your little socials? Oh, my God. I don't think so. No? I mean... I have an Instagram. It's BXM. I think there's like a few underscores after it, yeah, but it is private and I do have to accept you. So you could give it a whirl if you give want. Give it a whirl. Just make sure you update your profile picture so you look super hot. Yeah. Try your luck. Try you know? your luck. Shoot your shot. Okay. Well, I mean, there's no point in plugging anything because like what? Who's going to listen anyway? JK, guys, I know you're listening. I love you. <laughs> yeah. If you're still here, you're a real one. You're I'll a real you one. Truly. 
Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Rebecca, for joining us. This was so fun. As always, you know where to find the pod on Instagram. It's Millennial Yells Pod on IG. And you can follow me as well on Instagram because I like followers and you can slide into my DMs to tell me that you love the show. My Instagram is Anton Tankovich. I've spelled it many times. I'll spell it again, I guess. A-N-T-O-N-T-A-N-K-O-V-I-C-H. Do you want those followers or what, Anton? I want those followers. Um, And yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. It's Black History Month. So Mm -hmm. guys, I hope you're all keeping up with Black History Month. What I'm doing is showing my very white partner a series of black films throughout the month. Um, And I hope that you're also doing um, something to celebrate Black History Month, particularly if you're Canadian, because ain't nobody paying attention to black history in Canada. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's uh, that's all she wrote. I'm not afraid to